Welcome to the Stony Plain Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community that is about discovering fullness of life for everyone by practicing the way of Jesus together. This weekend, we're continuing in our series in Proverbs, and we're working through this wonderful book of wisdom over the next number of weeks, kind of theme by theme, uh, going through uh, the book of Proverbs and finding out what it is, what it means to live into fullness of life by practicing the way of Jesus that we see exemplified right in an Old Testament book called Proverbs. Now, our working definition as we look at wisdom over the next number of weeks is wisdom is the ever-growing relationship between a breadth of knowledge and a depth of heart. We learned in the last couple of weeks that wisdom is not just gaining more information. In fact, we probably have too much information. But to grow in a breadth of knowledge, in a way of understanding who God is, who we are, who our communities are, what the world is like, and then a depth of heart to live with the kind of courage that moves with the Jesus way into the world that is all around us. And that's wisdom, how to live the Jesus life in all of these complex circumstances that we find ourselves in. Well, this weekend, we're looking at wisdom for work, or wisdom for working, and we're going to spend the next few moments considering what Proverbs has to say about work ethic and procrastination and diligence and initiative. You know, there are many in in whose lives uh, things aren't really working very well right now. We see it everywhere. There's so many facing significant problems or challenges that are affecting every area of their lives. And while some are doing their best to like resolve issues and take responsibility for making changes or next steps of improvements, there are others who we spend a great deal of our time complaining about things. Blaming our parents, blaming God, blaming the government about it. But we're not actually lifting a finger to change our situation. And there's no manifestation of really taking steps of initiative that we're feeling the call of God in. And underlying a lot of that inactivity is a tragically misguided but strongly believed in philosophy that goes something like this. If I stay in my present condition, things will just get better for me. Somehow, some way, someday, by doing precisely nothing, I will eventually drift into a better set of circumstances. The mantra of this person who's like this, the one we're describing, is the word someday. It's the someday my ship will come in. Someday someone's going to offer me a fantastic opportunity. Someday someone new will kind of float into my life that I will want to date and hopefully marry. Someday the credit card companies are going to forgive me just because I'm nice. And that's going to happen. Someday my relationships are just going to improve because they do, right? Someday my kids will stop getting in trouble. Someday my metabolism will increase and the, met- and the pounds will just magically melt away. Someday my drinking will decrease and I'll regain sobriety. Someday I'm actually going to leave behind kind of lukewarm following of Jesus and go after God and to experience his peace in every part of my life. And you name it, some, for everyone that's struggling, someone has a someday slogan ready for it. But it rarely happens because the natural drift in life is always down. The gravitational pull is down, not up. The flow in life is always toward atrophy, not victory. And if we just sit back and go with the flow, the flow heads downhill. You know what the book of Proverbs calls someday people? You're not going to like the term, I promise you. I've been dealing with it all week. Uh, You'll like it about as much as we like the word folly or foolish that we learned about last week. 
the book of Proverbs calls someday people sluggards. That's our word of the day, sluggards. An endearing little term, isn't it? Sluggards, you think of this little snail that's not making much progress, you feel like, you know, buddy, just give up. Just mail it in. Well, the writer of Proverbs says that there's a lot of people who are inflicted with sluggardliness, who are in danger of kind of adopting this non-initiative way. And there's a progression that the book of Proverbs talks about. And I want to give you a few verses today as we think about that. Someone who's just beginning to walk down the path towards sluggardliness is someone who postpones responsibilities. The things that ought to be done right now and says, oh, I'll do them later. It's actually the first step that Proverbs says you got to watch out. Proverbs 6, 10, and 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. What's the, what's the result? Poverty comes on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Now, this is a proverb that's not about forbidding Sabbath or vacations or taking time for recreation. It's not a call to burnout or exhaustion. Generally, the writer says, anytime you're facing a task that you've committed to finish, if you say to yourself, oh, what's the hurry? Lots of time. When I, I'll do when I feel like it. I need to take that nap first. There's stuff on my phone I really have to flip through that's super important to my well-being. Or I'm going to disappear into Netflix for a while. Whenever a person postpones the doing of the necessary timely task, we're actually flirting dangerously with becoming what the Bible calls a sluggard. And if we ever fall into that chronic pattern of postponing the doing of necessary responsibility, it's a really difficult pattern to break. But here's the second stage of becoming a sluggard. It's the making of excuses. It's not only the postponing of responsibility, it's making excuses. It's an able-bodied worker going into work one day and remembering that there's something really challenging that's, a, that's ahead of them. And instead of firing up and praying and asking for God's strength and hoping to move into that challenge with some energy and initiative, the person who's on the path to being a sluggard basically says, you know, I got to find an excuse not to face that challenge today or not to go into work today <coughs> or get out of it somehow, some way. I don't want to face it. Proverbs twenty-two, thirteen. the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. Pretty vivid imagery right there, isn't it? You can capture that picture. But it's kind of how making excuses often sounds. If you ever find yourself starting to make excuses for a lack of performance, a lack of diligence, a lack of anything that's necessary to be done, it's time to honestly acknowledge that it can be a symptom of a much deeper issue, of a foolishness, a destructiveness that the book of Proverbs and the gospel of Jesus Christ is pulling out of us. The book of Proverbs says, if you start making excuses and postponing responsibilities, you're actually on a path that leads to a slothfulness that can be destructive to life. You postpone responsibility, start making excuses, and eventually you're going to wind up in a pretty horrible condition. Proverbs 19.24 describes it graphically. says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. How about that? Anybody at Thanksgiving meal, you get your hand on a bit of turkey, and it's like, well, now it's there. I don't want to do the work to do this. That's basically what it's saying. Like, this is the picture of the professional sluggard. That's what this is. So unmotivated is this person that even the basics like hygiene and decent clothing choices and eating disciplines are abandoned, leaving the person in a really bad state. Proverbs 26, 14, as a door turns on, it, on its hinges, so a sluggard turns in his bed. 
As we read through the book of Proverbs together, we're going to see over and over that you'll inevitably read a lot about slothfulness versus diligence. And we're going to see that the consequences for slothfulness are actually significant. Now, about this point, I would guess most of us are saying, yeah, good relevant topic, Wade. Good choice for this weekend because that's the opposite of my life. Some of you are saying, what in the world does this topic have to do with me and most of the people around us? I mean, we are too busy instead of too lazy. And the whole idea of grabbing food and not letting it get to my mouth, that is definitely not happening. I am not a professional sluggard. You know, some of you are saying, Wade, how about this? Come hang out in my life for a few days and just try to keep up. How about that? Inactivity isn't an issue and there's no way the sluggard is the picture of my commitments and my pace. Our friends of Stony Plain Alliance Church, I know it's generally true that we're a group of pretty energized people with a lot of things on the go. But I want to tell you precisely what I think as I prayed about prayed for us this weekend, uh, this week for this weekend, what my concern here is. I don't think our issue is comprehensive sluggardliness. I don't think so. Universal inactivity or across-the-board slothfulness, I don't think that applies to very many people at all. But here's the thing that has been on my heart that I've been praying for us about, and how about we'll call it this, we'll call it selective sluggardliness. The little pockets of inactivity those carefully constructed compartments where slothfulness and avoidance reigns. It's the person who sets sales records at work but fails to nourish the emotional needs of their family. It's the highly relational person who just load up their lives with people but never tend to the soil of their own soul. They never look deeply into their emotional and spiritual and psychological needs or issues and identify them. And the inside of the life is unattended because of the mass amounts of activity that can go on around. It's the person who long ago started overspending, getting careless, sort of lazy with spending patterns and say, someday I'm going to get into the habit of straightening all this out. I'll get on a budget someday. But someday never comes. Or it's the person that grips so tightly to money that generosity is yet to become a joyful habit and that someday I'll have enough for myself so I can share is a day that likewise never comes. Because that's how greed works. When you ask into greed how much is enough, the answer is always just a little bit more. Friends, this selective sluggardliness is, according to Proverbs, probably one of the most destructive, foolish things that we can be involved in. It's the avoidance and ignoring the areas of our lives that are needing attentiveness and prayer. And because most of us are motivated in most areas of our life, we let ourselves off the hook by saying, hey, listen, I'm energetic and taking initiative in like nine out of 10 areas. I mean, isn't that enough? 90%, that's more than passing. And we get this idea, well, what are you asking for? Perfection. And we make up the excuse that, well, I can't be perfect. And so I'm going to leave certain parts of the compartments of my life unattended to because, I mean, I'm doing really well in so many of them. And I want to say, friends, this is not about perfectionism. It's about being attentive to the growth areas in our lives that God wants to bring healing and power and resolution to. It's not about perfection. It's about invitation and it's about attentiveness and not making excuses or postponing the things that God is bringing into our lives, calling us into fullness of life, but we're resisting it because we kind of just don't want to. And so we don't. You know, there was a highly respected leader 
in the Old Testament that everybody felt had put on a clinic for how to lead a life of absolute integrity. And near the end of his life, his whole ministry and life unraveled because of laziness that he had engaged in throughout his entire adult life. His name was Eli. In the area of selective sluggardliness, while being an incredible spiritual leader and a wise judge and all these sorts of things, the area of selective sluggardliness with Eli was that he wouldn't discipline his sons. He had two boys who were kind of out of control. And he started to kind of try to work with them a little bit and be diligent. And after a while, he says, you know what? This is exhausting. This parenting thing is too much. And so the scripture says he kind of avoided the difficult conversations he needed to have with his boys. And he let his boys walk down a destructive path without any conversation. And the boys end up getting into all kinds of trouble and eventually lead to the total undoing of Eli's life. You know, we can look around at each other and see we're all doing pretty good, a pretty motivated group. But most of us, if we look beneath the veneer of our religiosity and our church attendance and all those sorts of things, we can usually spot the one area, the one pocket of laziness where we just don't want to face it. We just don't want to have to do anything about that thing. Again, it only takes one thing. So what do we do? Well, first, I want us to take a wide lens look at the opposite of sluggardliness and give you a picture of the spirit of initiative. And a lot of times in the book of Proverbs, it's called diligence. And it's a way of partnering with God and what God is wanting to do in our lives. And there's a classic passage in Proverbs highlighting this, Proverbs 6, 6 to 8, that says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. I love that phrase, by the way. Uh, Consider its ways and be wise. For anyone in risk of even selective sluggardliness, take a moment and watch an ant go about their business. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So what's the writer saying here? Again, so many of the Proverbs are so colorful. And the writer of the Proverbs says, if you want to get smart, you want to be diligent in the right areas, you want to partner with God in the growth areas that he's unfolding for you, consider the ant. The ant knows something about diligence that smart human beings absolutely need to look at and learn from. First thing you notice when watching the ant, the first insight that Proverbs gives us, and by looking into even the way that God has put nature together, is that the ant takes initiative on its own. The ant is the self-motivated little creature. It cultivates diligence by just keeping at things. The writer of Proverbs says, you know what, let's go to ant school. Let's have the ant be our teacher. And if you learn from the ant, in the areas of selective sluggardliness that you don't want to touch, would actually end up in better shape. The other observation is that the ant knows when to do what needs to be done. And that's actually a word for wisdom. Can you imagine a little ant, the thing we step on on the sidewalk, is actually a picture of wisdom? It says the ant works hard in summer so that it'll have provision through the winter season, actually thinking ahead and being thoughtful about the direction of its life. The writer of the Proverbs says we would all do well learning from the ant and that the ant knows what to do, when to do it, and then takes the action to see that it's accomplished. It doesn't postpone the activity. It doesn't make excuses about the not doing of the activity. It says, all right, let's go. Life is worth living. Let's go. Honestly, I do. I thought about it this week. I have a lot to learn from ants. I do. And I hope we all have enough humility in us to realize that maybe there's 
an area in our life where we could do some learning as well. So in the moments that remain in this message, as I, again, prayed about it a lot this week, about how do we guide through this without it becoming just a try harder, do better, up by the bootstraps kind of in every area of life. How can we actually guide well without guilt, without shame, but just a sense of being attentive to what the Spirit is saying about that area of our life where Jesus is wanting us to pay attention. So in the moments that remain, I'm actually going to guide us in a prayer exercise today. For those online, you're welcome to join as well. I'm going to ask you to have a spirit of surrender before God and a listening ear to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not someone you have to be afraid of. I think oftentimes we don't bring things to God in prayer because we're afraid of what God might say. And he might point out the thing, an area of improvement that we're actually not wanting to look at. But he's doing it out of love. God is wanting to love you deeper into the kingdom. And so that no area of life is left unattended that ends up in destruction. And I would say even those of you at the beginning of your spiritual journey, I'm talking to folks every weekend who are just kind of stepping into wondering about Jesus. You can practice this too. You can do this. Because no matter how long you've been following Jesus, or maybe you're even just wondering about following Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit can prompt you as well as he prompts people who have walked with God for a long time. You can hear his voice. But here's what I'd like to do. In an attitude of prayer, I'm just going to start bringing up a few of the areas of life that have been on my heart this week and ask you to be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And when I talk about one of those areas, maybe the prompting of the Holy Spirit is going to say, hey, don't worry about that. That's not your area to work on and that's okay. You're doing fine. If that's the prompting from the Spirit, then hear that and be like, thanks be to God. That's an area of strength. If, however, I end up mentioning something and the Holy Spirit's prompting to you is not false guilt, not judgment, just the Holy Spirit lovingly prompting you and saying, it's time to take some initiative. I want you to partner with me, Jesus saying, in some diligence about a growth area. It's time to get out off the couch, onto the playing field, and we're going to move ahead in this area. And the Spirit will always say, and I'm here to help. So here's the challenge, just for the next few moments, that we will listen to God and in the next few moments, follow his promptings when we're ready to go. And so would you pray with me? Now you can pray with eyes open. I'm going to sit down with you because you all get to sit, so I get to sit too. That's only fair. And I've asked Danielle uh, to play some, some music for us. Now this is not an act of manipulation to get the keyboard going. I have just found personally, the reason I asked Danielle to do this is that sometimes our brain is in so many places out there about all the stuff. And uh, I just find in my own life when there's music being played, it helps me be attentive to the place that I actually am, that you're really here. And we're really here together and God's peace is available. And for those online, you'll be able to hear as well. But would you join me? And you can, hands open, hands closed, eyes open, eyes closed, whatever else it is. Danielle, you can begin. And we're going to come to God in prayer. Because more than me trying to bring any conviction to anyone in a loving way, I know someone who does it better than anyone, and that's Jesus through his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take time to pause through a few things. And as I bring up an area, it's simply asking, Jesus, is this an area of selective sluggardliness in me? Is there something you're wanting me to do? Is there something you're wanting me to partner with you in? And it will always be the invitation of love. Okay, so let's pray.
And so, Father, we come before you today, and we're grateful for the time that we get to sit together in a space like this and become attentive to the areas of our lives where you're wanting to influence power and love and mercy for our growth. And we want to be open to that. And so in the name of Jesus right now, I, on behalf of this congregation, we take our stand against the enemy's schemes that wants to bring words of judgment and condemnation. That is not your voice. We pray against the voice of shame that will want to make people just feel bad about the stuff that's not working. And Jesus, that's not you. You meet us right where we are. And when the light comes on, you tell us you don't have to be afraid of the light. You can come toward it. So friends, when the light comes on, don't run. Don't hide. You don't have to fight. Respond to the light as it's coming on. So let me just name a few things and we'll just ask Jesus about it. So Jesus, what about relationships? You know, in the rough and tumble events of our lives, we bump and bruise each other along this way sometimes, don't we? A little hurt sets in, a little distance, a little resentment. And as soon we have ill feelings floating around that become so familiar that we say, well, you know, I suppose I have to take some action. We talked last week about conflict resolution. Is any of that still sitting with you? Maybe we've given up too easy on relationships and we don't send that message or make that call or set up that coffee appointment to seek to resolve. And I just think some of us are feeling the prompting of the Spirit in a gentle way saying, you know where I want to partner with you in Jesus says? It's time to make peace. Romans 12, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Are we doing our part? Whether the other person responds as we want or not, are you doing your part to be at peace with all people? Let's just sit that with, sit with Jesus with that. If he brings a name to mind, a face to mind, would you have the courage to just jot that down and say, Jesus, I want to partner with you in resolving that relational wound, that relational conflict. Let's sit with that for a moment. What about at work and at school? Some of us, highly motivated, work's getting done, schoolwork's getting done, you're putting enough energy into your studies or whatever else. But others of us, maybe that's not so true. And we're doing a bare minimum in our work or in our school. And Jesus is actually wanting our places of work and our places of learning and our places of education to be places of life, not of foolishness. And so what's, what avoidance maybe has been in our hearts about an area at work or at school where Jesus is saying, I want to partner with you. I want you to partner with me in getting your heart going again in your approach to your work. Because as God says, you're doing it for me in Colossians 3. So while I'm talking about this, some of you, the, spirit, the Spirit's quietly and gently just saying, hey, there's room for diligence. We can do this together, God's saying. Just a couple more. What about our thought life? Are we just letting lust and lies and greed and fantasies of revenge consume our minds? What are you feeding your mind on? What do we find ourselves meditating on? Have we just let our own thought life run wild because we're avoiding 
some of the diligence required to set boundaries on what we feed our minds. Friends, we can be doing so well in so many areas and then that stuff like lust or lies or greed or fantasies of revenge becomes slowly and subtly destructive and God's love to you is calling you today to set the boundaries right, that he will help you. You don't have to let your thought life run wild. So why don't you bring that to him? What about our habits? Here's the last one for today. What do you gravitate toward in your free time? Is it healthy or unhealthy? When you're feeling sad or lonely, does the fridge or the cupboard in the kitchen become the place you just run to and it's an unhealthy choice? And God's saying, I want health for your physical body. And I know I'm meddling a bit now, but I mean, this is the stuff that God really cares about. Do we have a habit of running to stuff, alcohol, drugs, food, shopping, just being online? What's our distraction that's actually becoming destructive? there's an area of sluggardliness selectively in our lives there just allow Jesus to shine the light on it and friends I want to remind you this is not just a try harder or do better message this is about learning to hear the prompts of the spirit and then cooperate with the spirit and taking your next steps into fullness of life this is about having the humility to confess your need and a confession is simply just saying the truth about yourself. And so Jesus, over everything that you've brought to mind, we believe you do so lovingly and for our good. And so for the decisions and the conviction that may be being felt right now, conviction isn't a partner with shame. That's, those two things aren't related. Conviction is a motivator towards wise and right living. Shame is a paralyzer. So if you're feeling paralyzed by what's come up, then I say in the name of Jesus, we renounce shame. It has no place in your life. Good, healthy spirit conviction. We invite that because that's good. We need that. We need your discipline, which is always the discipline of love. So we pray, Father, that the decisions made in the days to come would be reflective of your life in us and the way that we're living into wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite our worship team up. And they're going to lead us in the song before we go. Song of response. But what we're doing right now and the discipline of simply pausing to ask Jesus about an area of life is something that we don't just do in this space or, in our, or online on Sunday morning. This is actually a practice of listening, of being in God's presence fearlessly to boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence and ask Jesus to identify the part to shine the light on the area that's needing some attention. We don't have to be afraid of that. The question is, what are we doing as the light comes on in an area of life that's been left unattended? Do we run toward the light? Do we run away from the light? Or do we fight the light? Friends, here's the, here's the call. We're going to resist avoidance. In our resignation from folly, as we're resigning from foolishness week after week, we're going to allow Jesus we're going to invite Jesus to bring into the light the things that need to be brought into the light and not to be shamed, but to be empowered. And friends, we always come back to Jesus as our model. In Proverbs, we have the gospel because the one whom we apprentice under was led by the Spirit 
in every single way. He would rest and he would work. And when the pressure mounted, Jesus didn't ignore what was needed. And even in Gethsemane, as he's facing the absolute worst, when all the preference would lead him in another way, he said, I will go to the cross. I will provide. I will be the one that opens the way of relationship between God and people. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. To discover more about Stony Plain Alliance Church and its ministries, visit our website at spaconline.com. Grace and peace.